0: Welcome to T-Smack, home of the T-Smack. May I take your order?
1: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Talking Smack, where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. I am your host, Josh Scar. I am returned from the uh, the bar fight that Alex and Justin let you all know that I was involved in. Um, there was a small plot continuity error there. Um, there. There aren't that many Packer bars in the state of Illinois, so I was not beat up by a Packer fan, just to make that clear, because packer fans don't beat up on each other unless it's on twitter so just getting that out of the way uh but i am joined this week by matt matt how you doing
0: i'm doing good how are you aside from you know recovering from your injuries
1: <laughs> i'm doing pretty well uh this this last month has been a bit of a hassle for me but i am back i am returned uh i mean we i got two weeks off after we did 100 episodes so hey um i i can't complain too much
0: sometimes sometimes the world makes you take a break
1: yeah i can't, i'm not going to complain too much because it was a needed two break two week break among other reasons because i was able to catch up on strange new worlds so now i am fully yeah. up to date on three episodes in
0: finally watch star trek you watched star trek
1: <laughs> why don't you why don't you count lower decks lower decks is included in all. Of I Star do count.
0: I do count Star Trek or Lower Decks. I just want you to watch more of it. I, there's a, <laughs> a whole breadth. Just ima- imagine if you watched more Star Trek, just imagine how much richer Lower Decks would be for you. <laughs> I've said this on mic before. I don't rec- I don't recall if it's when you've been on or not, but I'm glad you like it. But there are like episodes or like gags that I think of where I'm like, what must that s- <laughs> seem like? To someone who has not seen like the very specific episode of Star Trek <laughs> that that joke is yeah. referencing, uh,
1: my my great aunt had a a wonderful saying which was, "You can't miss what you don't know." So that's true. That's in, true. In this case, if it's a reference to something, it just goes right over my head, and I I don't know. So it, ignorance is bliss in that
0: situation. But I mean, you know that there's something you don't know, right?
1: It, it depends on the situation. If it like, has the cadence
0: that... of a joke, but it's like, a oh, like when Blade Blorp did the flick of do or whatever, <laughs> you know, you're like, OK, I don't know what's going on here.
1: Honestly, with Lower Decks, the only thing that I am like not 100 percent certain on if it's actually a Star Trek thing or if they just introduced it for Lower Decks is the packlids They just feel like this really weird. Segment of a joke that feels like it belongs in an animated series, but I could also see it being from a nineteen sixties serialized sci-fi show where there's this advanced race of stupid people.
0: I mean do you want to know?
1: I, I would love to know.
0: Those those dummies are from next generation. That... <laughs> One day Thanks. I will get you to watch that So at least some of that golden era of Star Trek. Maybe I'll make you like a <laughs> like a homework list. Would you say the Paramount
1: era is like a renaissance re, renaissance? I don't wanna keep I don't mean to say Renaissance, it's just something stupid stuck in my head for when <sighs> that your mother
0: Um, you know, I would say it has its has its moments, it has its ups and downs, you know, like I'm someone who has appreciated all that stuff. I don't think it has all been stellar. So I don't know if I would say it's a renaissance, except insofar as like Star Trek was not on tv for like a decade and then now it is very much on tv constantly (laughs) (laughs) which is not to say it's not quite good i think most of it is quite good but you know there's something about that old 90s stuff
1: oh yeah yeah i i know what i know what you're saying because like we just recently reviewed indiana jones and the dial of destiny and one of my biggest complaints with like the disney era star wars movies i will specifically say movies with the exception of rogue one there's something to like the digital format that just kind of takes away from these kind of shows which is weird considering they're sci-fi and there there's there's sure. to be like futuristic technology even though star wars is set in the past and like indiana jones the the film grain just adds something to the aesthetic of the movie that you don't get with digital with the crisp 4k yeah. image it just it, yeah, something just doesn't sit right with me at least
0: yeah um well it's settled i'm gonna of... make you i'm gonna make you a list of all this <laughs> all the old Star Trek you have to watch and you then you just have to watch it, it.
1: <laughs> maybe i'll make my way slowly through everything we'll see but before we get into this week's topic, uh, we are going to hear from our friend Dan over at Casting Views. So Matt and I will be right back to talk about some comic book goodness or maybe badness. We'll see. Fancy taking a humorous trip down a random topic
0: each week? You do while well, you're in luck. Casting Views presented by me, Dan, and a host of guests bring you just that. With topics from the world of entertainment, science, sport, and everyday life, there's bound to be a topic that's going to inform and amuse. Catch casting views every Sunday on all listening platforms now.
1: And we're back. So this week, Matt and I are doing uh, something a little different. We've been trying to figure out a way to get more comic book talk into the podcast because we we love comics. That was. a a big part of what got us into doing this podcast and a big part of like why Matt and I continue to be friends, even though I have wrong opinions on everything (laughs) is that, uh, comics are just fun nonsense and it's a, it's a great escapist mechanism as well and great storytelling mechanism. And we, we just want to talk more about comics and we have a a pretty good and rare 4th of July lull in movie reviews. So we're going to dive into some comics. Um, Matt, if you want to give a little bit more uh, backstory as to what we're talking about and why maybe we're talking about it.
0: Yeah, this this week we are talking about the uh, 2011 DC crossover slash miniseries Flashpoint. Which, you know, one of the, re- the reasons w- why we're doing it, doing this, it's been, what, 12 years since it came out. Almost a as couple, long
1: as the Flash movie has been in development. Yeah. Almost,
0: yeah. Uh, there's there's a couple of reasons. Like, we went back and forth and like, okay, you know, we want to do some – the original idea was let's do some fun comics, just like a short run, like a miniseries or a six-issue story or something. Um, and we batted back and forth some of the options were. And we landed on Flashpoint for like a big reason. At the time we were talking about this, the Flash movie had not come out yet, had not totally – apparently bombed yet at that time (laughs) talking about flashpoint felt like it would be a lot more relevant and i guess it still is because the movie is still in theaters because the flash movie takes quite a bit of inspiration from it and i'll I'll do a quick you know i'm not going to get into nitty-gritty but i'll do a quick synopsis here basically you know five issue miniseries written by jeff johns illustrated by andy kubert in uh goes from may to october of 2011 uh the basic gist of the story is barry allen who is the flash he wakes up one day the dc universe is a very different place than where he where he left it um you know he doesn't have powers anymore his murdered mother his mother who was murdered when he was a kid is still alive you know there's basically none of the superheroes who are in the dc universe are are around or they are not the people that he as he recognizes them you know, like the world is on the verge of like war with Atlantis and Themyscira are like inching closer to war, like led by Aquaman and Wonder woman respectively. Yeah, there's,
1: there's like a, a cold war that's happening and it's just inching closer to, to just going yeah. to full fledged war. Uh, yeah. The Themyscira, the, uh, the Amazons have taken over England As their new Themyscira, something has happened to Themyscira. I think it's implied that, uh, or maybe they say outright, I can't remember, Atlantis flooded Themyscira. Right. right. Among other things, like one of the Flash's biggest rogues, Um, Captain Cold is apparently a hero, and he has replaced the Flash as the hero of uh, uh, Central City. Central City. I I don't know why. I always confuse Central (laughs) City and Fawcett City.
0: Uh yeah, and among other things like um there's no Superman and notably when Superman's rocket came to earth instead of landing in Kansas it crash-landed in Metropolis and basically decimated the city. So like thousands of people died. So Barry Allen assumes that his nemesis the Reverse Flash is responsible for this. So he like I'm going to go seek out Batman. Batman can help me. Turns out you know, it's not Bruce Wayne, it's Thomas Wayne, Bruce Wayne's famously Murdered father, who is more akin to like a Punisher than Batman. So the two are like, we're gonna. Rest-. Barry convinces Thomas to help him. Like, I, I if I can restore my powers, I can fix all this. So this world never happened. Your son's alive. Oh yeah, also, Bruce is the one who died in the alley, not not Thomas and Martha. So they the two attempt to restore Barry's powers and recruit allies so that they can like get this done before the world breaks out into war, which is like understood to be, if this happens, it's done. It's like an extinction-level event if these two finally go go at it. Long story short, the big climax of the thing is Barry discovering that it wasn't Reverse Flash, it was actually him going back in time to reverse his mother's death, or prevent his mother's death, that caused this huge shattering event that changed the entire timeline. And er- you know, Barry has has regained his powers at this point, so eventually he is able to go back and set things right. He fixes the timeline, but it is also different. It is a reset timeline because the big thing that this story does is usher in what is known as the New 52. It is a, a hard reset on the DC continuity that had been in place since 1986 for... Um, since the the original Crisis on Infinite Earths. So from this point on, every single DC book relaunches with the new number one. 52 of them. That's why it's called the New 52. Every book relaunches. All the characters are younger. M- much of the history has been stripped away, although some of the, some of the stories um, are still, you know, the death of Superman still happened. Like, Batman Year One still happened. All that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, basically they condensed most of the major events down into a five-year period. Yeah. And it it got muddied really quickly because Batman was in the middle of a really good run at that time. I think it was written by being written by Grant Morrison.
0: Yep. And, yeah. And
1: uh, he, he, I mean, he had had a run of like two or three years leading up to this and just, there were just a bunch of stories. Like they still had uh is it nightfall is the one where Bane breaks his back. Uh, yes. So like there, yeah. There's a whole bunch of things that like every Robin has existed and Tim Drake is, uh, now, Red Robin—it's it, a big mess of things, yeah. especially in the Batman universe.
0: Yeah, it's a very messy. It's it's it is a clean reboot that is also very messy because, like, one of the things they obviously wanted to do is make sure that you would still have a reason to buy and read every big, best-selling trade paperback that ever happened. So, like, Death of Superman still happened, like you said, Nightfall. Um, you know, Jeff Johns himself is in the middle of a big Green Lantern run at the time that's one of the things that is sort of adopted into the new universe because Jeff Johns at this time, especially at DC, he is like the guy, he's like the guy who is like dictating the direction of the universe. So, you know, he's in the middle of his green lantern run. Obviously he's going to incorporate it into the, when he continues it in the new 52 and, and flashpoint itself beyond this has like become the flash story where, you know, obviously the, the movie is based on it, starring Public Menace Ezra Miller. <laughs> there was an animated adaptation of it. Uh, the CW Flash show did a few episode arc that was a version of this basic story. And, you know, this is like Jeff Johns, the pinnacle of his powers. This is like him. He had, at the conclusion of like a big, f- a, a return to the Flash, you know, he had done, he had been on the book from like 2000, 2005, then he left comes back with this big, huge thing, brings Barry Allen back, culminates in the Flashpoint.
1: I was just about to ask, actually, um, you would know better than this, and maybe John would know. Wally West had been the Flash for 30 since, years. Yeah, since
0: 1986, because Barry yeah. Allen dies in Crisis on Infinite Earths.
1: And and Wally West took over as the Flash, and then in, was it 2008, 2007, somewhere in there they brought Barry back? It was I think
0: Blackest Night, wasn't it? I think it was some time. Well, it's it's weird because because of the nature of the Flash, because he's a time traveling character, or he can. Every once in a while, there would be a thing where like, Barry from the past meets up with Wally in some way. So I think a version of Barry Allen might have come back in uh, Blackest Night. I don't remember the exact timing on that. I believe The Flash Rebirth, which is the miniseries where Jeff Johns is like, he's back for real and he's the Flash again, starts in 09. So just okay. a couple of years before Flashpoint.
1: Yeah. Uh, quick Google search. Barry Allen was resurrected in final crisis. Number two published in August, 2008.
0: That's right. Yeah. Which is also another Grant Morrison comic. And then,
1: which I do have that trade, but that's one of those weird events that DC was doing where they published like two issues a month for a year or something like that. Like it's a huge event.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, not to tip my hand too much, but I'm like, unlike this one, that book rules. <laughs>
1: I I wasn't implying anything like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) But anyway, you know, it's so it's 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 it is a very important comic. The New Fifty Two reboot like reverberates in DC Comics for years. They have never technically like officially fully undone it, um, even though like they've basically walked it all back at this point in fits and starts. So, you know, the idea was for us to do a, a fun, good comic. Um, and I think we ended up doing an important comic more than good because this sucks shit. <laughs> 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 I mean, maybe that could be our jumping off point to the actual discussion, but this is a bad a fucking terrible comic.
1: And I, I you have a, a, a bigger understanding and appreciation for a lot of these characters than, than I do. You've been reading comics significantly longer than I have, especially more in depth. My, my initial thoughts are, yeah, this this isn't great, especially with it being used to serve as like a jumping off point for a, a mainline reboot. My main issues are the art is very hit and miss. I, I don't mind Andy Kubert. I think he's kind of a a poor man's Mark Bagley. Like you can see some similarities in their art and some of like the, the more like warm facial shots where like someone's smiling and just having a, a heartfelt moment. But his action beats and certain angles that he has, it's like a a real gross combination of John Romita Jr. and Mark Bagley that just does not work. <laughs> like there's sure. a, a big splash page on like page four or five of the trade paperback where everyone's proportions are off. Everyone's face is hideous. Wonder Woman has like a two inch waist. It's just <laughs> there, there's a whole mess of things going on that just does not look great. and. Getting into the story, I'm going to draw some comparisons here to the animated feature. I haven't seen the live action movie uh, just because I don't I don't think it looks good. I have no interest in seeing it, but I have seen the animated movie a couple of times. Um, one, the art gets worse in the movie. <laughs> and two, they pad out a lot of stuff in the movie, like the the movie opens with like a five or ten minute mini Justice League story where uh, the Flash and the, the Justice League come together to fight like all of the flashes rogues to kind of establish like, Hey, this is what the world was. Right. And now Barry's going to go change everything, even though he's going to think it's reverse flash. He a Thawne where I think with the comic, at least I like the mystery of just, here's the flash. He's a great hero. Here he is sleeping at his desk. And then all of a sudden, like we're in a different world. We, like we're, we're right. thrown into it with Barry. And we're like, what the hell is happening? What's going on? I like that mechanic a lot, but then it goes downhill real quick into like, Oh, some pretty bad edge Lord stuff.
0: Yeah. And like, you know, I, they sort of account for this, but I'll, I'll crib a joke from a much bigger podcast that I listen to called war rocket Ajax. I'm probably said to them before, but they're a comics podcast. They're great. You should listen to them. But whenever they talk about this comic, one of the things they mention is like, why, does Barry Allen's mother being alive mean?
1: Superman's
0: Superman. (laughs) Yeah. Superman's trajectory trajectory changed or somebody else dies in crime alley. Right. Like they sort of like, Like, I
1: I can understand that. I
0: can understand the crime alley stuff. Like it's
1: the butterfly effect. They're playing with that concept. But yeah, I, I don't understand how Barry Allen's mom changes the trajectory of Clark's space carriage i don't understand how that impacts yeah and i
0: mean the, what they that. try to do they try to paper over that but at the end where like for whatever reason barry allen going back in time and doing this shatters time so you can kind of infer that like it's not her being alive it is whatever he did messed like fucked everything up but it's still very silly that like this woman it's like load bearing for the DC universe, which is especially funny because like flash comes back in, we just mentioned 2009. Barry Young comes back. That is when Jeff Johns himself introduces the idea of he's got this tragic backstory where his mother was killed. That's Jeff Johns. I don't know if it's him getting high in his own supply or what, but he's like this thing I introduced not two years ago is the most important thing in the world in some ways. (laughs) and you know like fundamentally my biggest issue with this with this comic is and it's a crossover event this is something that is not this this kind of thing happens with all big crossover events because that's one of the reasons they do them but this book feels so much less like a comic book story and something that wants to funnel you into buying all of the various crossovers that explore the world you know uh, of a world that as you as you suggest is not very interesting to begin with because it's just everyone's mad or upset or like shittier versions of themselves but you have
1: a batman who's okay with using guns and says swears like who doesn't want that
0: yeah yeah go buy the three issue miniseries or whatever it is about him and oh surprise martha wayne is the joker that's a real thing that happens in these comics But like, that was the main thing. And she still has her own version of Harley Quinn. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing is, you know, I knew this. I I admit I went into this with some preconceptions because I've been reading comics for a long time. You know, in 2011 through, you know, the the 2010s. If you're familiar with DC, it's impossible not to feel the reverberations of this book and like kind of know what what it's about, especially since like we've said, it's so adapted after that but reading it now for the first time i was i was surprised at like how much it just kind of lands with a thud like you mentioned the thing where it starts out with it's kind of a mystery story barry ellen wakes up and he doesn't know what's going on the thing where he comes up with a theory that oh it must be reverse thawne like removing all of my allies from the timeline to destroy me and the reveal that no it was actually my fault both of those feel tossed off as an afterthought like revert like they're in an issue 4 or 5 whichever one it is they're in the middle of the war it's happening and reverse flash is there like oh by the way it was you it was you yeah, that did it he, anyway he bye he shows up
1: he shows up and he's like uh somehow you freed me from the timeline despite the fact that no he he was running through time and when Barry was going back through time yeah i guess yeah (laughs) it's a big mess of nonsense basically if i'm remembering correctly thawne is going traveling through time through the speed force when barry changes the past
0: which then protects him yeah
1: that that creates like a little cocoon around him uh, a time cocoon where even though technically he shouldn't exist in the future anymore because barry doesn't exist or the flash doesn't exist so he has no one to like fanboy over and become an an evil version of because he was in the speed force traveling through time. That doesn't happen to him. He doesn't just like cease to exist for whatever reason. Obviously, that's they just wanted the reverse flash to have a part in the story and in the finale. But it, it makes no damn sense. And it's dumb. The explanation is extraordinarily stupid.
0: It's and it's just it's so weird because like the reverse flash for for most of this book, like you are supposed to understand that the per- the reason this is happening is because of him, but he's an afterthought. He shows up to explain A, why he's alive, and B why that it's Barry's fault. And like that's it. He's not a factor in the story, even though arguably it seems like he should be, right? But the book yeah, is Yeah, they
1: they foreshadow it. There's a moment where Barry finds his ring, or he has his ring that contains his suit in there and the suit that is contained within the ring is actually the reverse flash suit. Yeah. So you're thinking like, okay, and it's just a big red herring or yellow herring in this
0: situation. (laughs) It's, it's, it's just, it's a book where just things happen. Like the thing I always think about, I think it's the end of number two where like Barry has gotten Thomas Wayne on board and he's like, we are, we're going to do this. We need to recreate my powers. So I need these chemicals. I need to get struck by lightning. And the big, the big twist at the end of the issue is what happens to Barry Allen when he gets struck by lightning? The same thing that happens to everything else. Ha ha ha. He, yeah, the, 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 the final page of that issue is Barry Allen has been turned into charred hamburger by the lightning strike. Wow. Oh, big twist. The next issue immediately opens with oh, by the way, I'm alive and we have to try again. And oh, this time it works within five pages. It's like, yeah, don't worry about that. Like I'm alive and everything's fine. And also the second time we do it, you know, lightning doesn't strike twice, but maybe if we try three times, it'll work. Why, why do it in the first place?
1: <laughs> One thing, and for, for listeners who are completely lost, I I apologize. We're going to be jumping around a lot because this is very much a, and then this happens and then this happens. And what if this happened kind of story? Because it's an Elseworlds story essentially. So they, they basically just went, what if wonder woman is evil and she kills Steve Trevor? What if Lois Lane is a guerrilla reporter and and reporting in a war zone, but also she's a government informant. So she's, she's going to have to have her life threatened. And what if this, and what if that, and it's a whole mess of just, and then, and then, and then. It's not, and then because this happens, then this causes this to happen. It's more just we're showing you the ripples that we think are cool.
0: Yeah, and so much of it, like I said, is is feels intended to say, oh, here's a what's Lois Lane up to? She gets two pages in this book, and if you want to find out more, go read the miniseries about her. But like, she's not a character that has any bearing on the story we're telling. And, you know, she meets up with another team of characters that are like, ooh, DC Universe, but twisted. And those characters show up very briefly in the finale. But it's a thing where it's like it smacks so much of Lois Lane, the Outsiders, whatever they called it, on sale now. Go read that. <laughs> Which, like I said, is a thing that happens with these big crossovers. But this one more than more than most that I've read feels so much more artificial in terms of like like you say, things just happen. And like half the time, the things that are happening are just there. And in my reading feels like are there to get you to read a different comic book more than they are like trying to find interesting ways to hook you into those comics. It's just, Oh, by the way, here's the three page ad for that.
1: Yeah. And one of the big plot lines in this story, uh, besides focusing just on flash, because we have this even dark and grimmer Batman, his plot line is essentially Cyborg's trying to recruit him into the U.S. government's Task Force X, and they need him to be their tactician uh, because they're going to go into New Themyscira and try and prevent the war from happening somehow. And none of the like Z-level heroes and villains that they bring into Cyborg's team are interested unless Batman wants to join. This is their way of being like, look at how cool this Batman is. No one will do anything without him
0: yeah and it gives you the stakes where like okay this guy has to be involved for some reason because we decide jeff johns decided this was a very cool version of batman
1: <laughs> i mean granted in in the flash movie if they had gotten jeffrey dean morgan back as thomas wayne to be this version of batman i might have been i, I may have actually been in, inclined to see it somehow the the michael keaton hook i don't really care about like i love michael keaton he's the first batman i ever knew but i'm also more interested in something new than i am interested in nostalgia bait
0: yeah yeah for sure and you know to keep on that tangent a bit a related tangent it's one of those movies that like i'm sure i will watch when it hits the artist formerly known as hbo max at some point but like between between its star being a very like i said a very public menace and also just like seeing seeing the way they like pilfered various people's graves to get some of those cameos i was like you know what i don't if 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 nothing else i don't need to pay money to see this in the theater if it happens to appear on a service i already pay for yeah maybe but Mm -hmm. yeah i've heard it's fun i it's a
1: a poor man's spider-man no way home but like i i have no interest in that i i've already seen a a good spider-man no way home so i'll just watch that again if i have to
0: if nothing else it seems like a pretty faithful recreation of its source material (laughs) because it seems like it sucks shit and so does this comic
1: yeah yeah so let's, let's talk a little bit about superman here in uh in flashpoint so we we talked about how his Space cradle landed in Metropolis, created a a giant crater in the middle of the city, and he's being kept under lock and key in a red sun cell. Which, like, how the hell did they figure that part out?
0: Gotta buy the miniseries, gotta buy the Superman miniseries (laughs) that was related to it. Because, yeah, he, he
1: does, he just, just, he does just kind of fuck off for two thirds of the book once they find him, and he shows back up at the end for no real reason other than he they needed a superman to show up.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's it's just I think there is like a you know, I I don't know that we need. It's it's a it's a very poor jumping off point for a reboot. I think it's not the best Flash story you can do. But I feel like there's a core of a decent decent story in here cuz like I'm a sucker for these kinds of dark alternate present stories like you know back to the Future 2 style whatever but because it's so overloaded with other bullshit it never is able to be the story it thinks it is right like one of the one of like the what is meant to be like the emotional climax of the story is barry finally you know realizing what he's done inadvertently but having his powers back and being able to go back and fix it He stops and talks, he has one more conversation with his mom, which should be a big a big deal. You know, this is this is him choosing to give up this thing he's always wanted in order to save the world, basically. But it is just nothing, right? It's a nothing scene, partially because this character, Barry's mom, showed up for like a panel. Uh, page in the first issue there's no hook there it's not because barry's been too busy getting struck by lightning and finding out about the bullshit politics of this <laughs> bullshit world and healing immediately from his lightning strike when he gets his power is the third time it's just <laughs> it's just yeah, it,
1: it's not like it's not like peter parker going back and having one more conversation with uncle ben or in certain continuities it's not like clark going back and having a conversation with pa kent depending on whatever continuity you're you're going with so barry going back is is it nora is his mom's name yeah yeah going back and having a conversation with nora it it means very little in the context of the grand scheme of the flash barry allen as a character in the story it's a nice moment as you say but we need more moments and they try to like get a little bit of a heartstring moment with it too, but it also undercuts the value of these like three pages of Barry having one last conversation with his mom, which at the end of the the comic when he's reset the universe and everything's mostly back to normal. He's like, Oh, I still remember the old un, I remember the other universe. I remember everything. I remember every birthday I've ever had with my mom and whatever. It's weird. And that's one thing we forgot to mention too, is that the part of the ticking clock for this is right that Barry is like forgetting his memories
0: yeah like the new timeline is like cementing yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah so so Barry's losing his memories of the original timeline that he's from and he needs to get there before he he forgets everything and, yeah it's like uh, it's like part the part dual Thomas.
0: yeah I'm sorry the dual clock of that and like when the war starts yes. it's over for humanity so yeah. yeah
1: and Thomas Wayne's big motivation is get back to my son, get back to the universe where my son is alive, because I don't want to be alive anymore. I'm, I'm basically on a suicide mission to, to fit, to just be Batman that runs around with a gun. Yeah. But he's like the one I,
0: character in this entire book that is like, this universe is suck shit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's awful. It's almost like admirable. Like it is, there's, there's a way you can do that, that if that feels interesting where like, Meta-textually, he's the character who knows he's in a shit comic book, <laughs> but it's also he's the character who's in the shit comic book universe that also wants you to buy thirty other comics about the history and characters of this universe.
1: <laughs> I, I got to go back to the movie here for a minute. Not, yeah, not, not the live-action one, the the animated one. Oh, sure. Again, I think they they do little improvements on the story. They get rid of a lot of the 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 Z list characters that show up in this like elemental woman. And I couldn't even tell you who anyone else in Cyborg's little task force X is you gotta read the miniseries. You gotta <laughs> <read> the miniseries. <laughs> there, there's the Shazam family, which are uh, Batman's agents, but Cyborg ha- has his own little troop and I don't know who the hell any of them are, but in the movie we don't get any of that. It's mostly just Cyborg who is played by Michael B. Jordan. And I think he probably gives like the only good performance in the entire feature the the voice acting and all that even from kevin conroy rest in peace is like really stilted but the the movie does one thing really well that i think the comic really missed the mark on which i they're like once barry gets his powers back he is waiting for him his power to reach like maximum force again right he's he's trying he's waiting for it to build up and that's, that's part of the ticking clock as well, is that Barry's just not up to full speed yet. Whereas yeah. in, in the movie, they fix that where it's still stupid, but it makes more sense. There's only like so much speed force anyone can use at a given time. And whenever Eobard Thawn, the reverse flashes around, he's like siphoning off parts of the, the speed force. So Barry can't like, go faster than the speed of sound. He can only go so sure. fast, like just below the speed of sound, or he can't go so fast that he breaks the time space continuum. So in, in the movie, Thawne is like constantly siphoning the speed force. So like he's, he's never really seen until the final battle when he's supposed to show up, like in the comic. Um, but Barry can never get to full speed to fix anything because Thawne is creating a, an additional roadblock to him right. hitting his powers where in this, eventually Batman just goes, This guy sucks. I'm gonna stab him through the heart. Barry, run. <sighs> yeah. And it, there's no like build-up to it. It's just like, oh, hey, hey, Bond's dead now. Barry, you can go and save the world and in
0: your way. Yeah, things things just happen. Like like you mentioned the Shazam family, which is a thing I actually forgot about until you mentioned it. But there is a scene where they're all just like oh, we're sitting around hanging out. We're all a bunch of teenagers. We're... And then Batman and the Flash just like show up. There's like no sense that like, oh, we got to get to the Sam family. There's like nothing establishing it. It's just like, oh, they're here now because the story needs them to be here now and they need them to be on the team now. It's just like.
1: And this is where we reveal that they're Batman's agents.
0: I almost have no words. It's so bafflingly, <laughs> bafflingly constructed. And, you know, it's it's so weird because like I, I don't know, this this is like Jeff John's at the height of his powers, right? Like he has he has basically created the modern interpretation of Green Lantern at this point. Like if you if you are familiar with the Green Lantern concept, odds are it's the version that he established in a, a few years before this. He brought Barry Allen back. He like this is like the third of multiple big crossovers he has written for DC. He's had big runs on, like, the Justice Society. He's had Superman, Green Lantern is ongoing at this point. That are generally considered pretty decent. So, like, I don't know if this is a thing where, like, DC editorial is, like, breathing down his neck. But this is, like, the moment where he is most... He would most be able to, like, have some sway, I would think, in, like, how he's writing this comic. So, like, I... You know, I... I think this is just... (laughs) what he wanted it to be for the most part. And that's, that is fucking baffling to me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I am curious how much of this is like, where can we create an offshoot for this little mini series of Lois Lane and the outlaws? Where can we create an offshoot for Superman learning about earth after having been in prison for 30 years? Where can we find out about Thomas Wayne's past and all this stuff? Like I, I, the, the publishing process of that is really interesting to me. Because I what how do you publish the story as is and not go like, is it too bloated? Nah.
0: Yeah, right. And I I don't recall because sometimes when they do a big thing like this, they will like cease publishing everything else and replace it with like, you know, the Superman book is 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 ended. But the Superman miniseries is taking its place in the schedule. You know what I mean? DC is yeah. doing it right now, actually, with their Night Terrors event, which also seems like it's going to be bad, but we'll see. Um, where everything is basically stopped for two months while this big event plays out.
1: That's not related to Dark Knights of Steel, is it?
0: I don't believe so. I think it's just everyone falls asleep and has bad dreams. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's what's their worst nightmare? Flashpoint um, again. Yeah, but it's you know I, I don't recall if the, if the other books were still happening at this point. Or not, and I did not look that up. Unfortunately, I can only imagine what it must have, what it must have been like reading all this stuff. If like the books you actually wanted to be reading were suspended in favor of it, <laughs> like <laughs> it's just inc- it's just incredible. Like I, I don't, again, I'm almost struggling to find the words that like how insane this is to me. And I I do wonder like how much you know Jeff Johns comes back in to the flash in 2009 wraps this up by the end of 2011. I am wondering how much of this is him coming in and saying, I'm coming back to the flash and I've got an idea for a reboot and, or how much of it is like DC being like, we're going to reboot. We're looking for ideas in how to make that happen or somewhere in the middle. Like whose idea is this ultimately to like do this story and, why is it the way that it is a.k.a. really terrible it's just and and, you know compare this there were there were there were crises in between infinite crisis or or crisis infinite earths and this but this is like crisis infinite earths in 1986 is like the the best comparison point because that's that's the first time that dc does an event that is like fully hard stop after this we are resetting the universe and like, I don't think that that is a is necessarily a good story, but it feels grander and it feels important and it feels like, you know, they the tagline was "worlds live, worlds die, things will never be the same," and that felt true, right? Mm-hmm. But this is just this. You get none of that from this. None of that is in this. It just feels totally limp and totally like like nothing.
1: Yeah, I. I mean, I I've already said everything I, I have to say critically about this. I, I don't have a lot of praise to throw around for this. Like I said, the art is really hit and miss. Like I, I just pulled up a, a page here where it looks like Barry's leg is up on his shoulder, even though he's supposed to be like lunging forward and it's just as like kicked behind him. But yeah. It looks like he's like holding his leg as a club, <laughs> <laughs> like the, the perspective on a lot of this and, uh, just,
0: I think Hubert is a really good artist and, really, and he's got a very stylized look, but there are definitely times where that can be really weird. And I do kind of wonder if this was a case of like, this book has a hard deadline because we are also figuring out an entirely new slate of books to launch. So it's coming out by October 2011, no matter what. <laughs> So yeah, maybe maybe he is rushing yeah, I, it a little I can't, bit.
1: I can't say that I have seen other comics where I'm like, man, that, this Kubert stuff is not great, but like the the final few pages, I I know the new 52 gets a lot of flack for almost every book looking exactly the same, and I think that does kind of happen here at the end of the book. But I think the art is really on point here. Like it looks really polished. Jawlines look good, eyes, eye lines look good. It all just looks really solid and it looks consistent. Whereas if I go back six other pages back to Barry running backwards in time or finding his mom or something, like I said, he looks like he's carrying his leg as a club in one shot. there's, (laughs) There's this weird shot of Superman with green flares coming out behind him. Like, is it kryptonite? What what the heck's happening here? It, there's just all sorts of weird stuff happening and it's inconsistent until you get to those final few pages where that's probably where he spent a good chunk of his time in the last issue was making sure that new 52 tone is set because everyone's got their new costumes and
0: yeah. Like the important bits are like, okay, this is like the moment where we're, you know, we're trans, We are officially transitioning into the new universe. I'm thinking of that page and then maybe this is the same page you're talking about. I don't, I don't see it in front of me. Where like it's Barry running across the spread, and you see like you kind of see the old the old versions, you kind of see some of the new versions. There's that mystery woman who has the fucking gall to say, actually, this is the DC universe being. Finally, right for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's
1: a few pages later, but um, I I know the splash page you're talking about, where they have different versions of like the Dark Justice League and then the regular Justice League, and then there's like a little bit of the new Fifty Two Justice League hidden in there, and or not so hidden in there, and it it just like that splash page is nice, but yeah, who the hell is this lady? Like, is she the Speed Force embodiment? Like, what the hell is happening? If
0: I'm if I'm remembering correctly, that lady is pandora who appears and like that was one of the big mysteries of the new 52 like this lady maybe has something to do with the change in the universe and i think she appears in like the first issue of every new book in some way and i don't know exactly what that ends up being i think it ends up being very disappointing and terrible (laughs) because you know a lot of because that's
1: the new 52
0: yeah, like a lot. At least, at the very least, a lot of the big like editorial level decisions were awful. There are actually some pretty decent books that's been out of the New Fifty Two, but like every every time that it's like, oh, we're doing a big crossover from the for the next few years is like, what are we doing here?
1: <laughs> yeah, Flashpoint. How this became so beloved amongst a a, a pretty good chunk of comic fans, I. I still don't know. And with the movie too, the, the animated feature, I, I don't understand how that movie is so beloved. Like the art alone, the animation is hideous. Yeah. If you look at the like Aquaman from that movie, his neck muscles are sitting on top of his neck muscles on top (laughs) of his neck. Like he, he, and he's got a tiny head. Like he does. It's not even like exaggerated. Bruce Tim Paul Dini style art. Like it's just gross and it looks wrong. And I just, I don't, I don't even know. I was supposed to do a review for it for another podcast um, prior to the flash movie coming out, uh, but that fell through. So I ended up having to watch it again against my (laughs) will kind of, Um, and there are, as we mentioned, there are good bones to a, a decent, if not really good story here with, Barry going back and creating a a butterfly effect to, to save, to cause even more chaos. Like the butterfly effect story is a tale as old as time, but if done well, it, it can be really impactful. But uh, to your point, Matt, Nora Allen means absolutely nothing to most comic book readers, especially flash fans.
0: Yeah. And I think the most successful adaptation of this story is the one is the, the short arc they did in on the Flash show, and some of that is by virtue of the fact that even though this is that show is part of the, the the Arrowverse, which is like you know the small sort of connected universe with a bunch of the CWDC shows all taking place in the same world, it is still sort of like its own show, where it can't just be like, oh, Superman is here and Wonder Woman's here, it has to be very focused on. The characters in this show, so like that is a version of that story that is primarily about Barry going back in time to stop his mom from dying, which is also something that was baked into the show from the beginning because yes, it comes after Flashpoint, and also Jeff Johns is a producer on that show, so she is more of a character and she has more of a presence. And like she looms more over that show than than this.
1: Yeah, and Barry's dad being framed for the murder is a big crux of the first like three seasons of the show. Yeah. At least the first two seasons until they get to the flashpoint. Yeah. So like it, as you're, you're to your point, it, it makes sense that that's the story makes more sense when we're more invested in Nora being alive or what it means to Barry where in this case, we just, in this case, we just run across Barry being like, Oh, Hey mom, you're alive. That's weird. What's happening. yeah right we we have this mystery to unfold but they they never really care about the mystery because for four issues until fawn shows up at the end of issue four going i know what you did barry
0: yeah
1: we just think okay the reverse flash changed something and barry's trying to fix it and the ticking clock is world war super super world war and barry losing his memories
0: yeah and yeah and and the CW show, to its credit, be, and you know because it, it because by virtue of the fact of what it's doing, it has to be, it has to court drilled onto that core, right? Where it's like this is a story about Barry. He's got that same ticking clock, and the things he's worried about. It's all about Barry having to choose between this new world he finds himself in, which is not significantly shittier than the one he left. Which I feel is important, and also, you know, and losing his memories of his original life and being the Flash, and it is much more because it also is not so focused on being a huge crossover that has to be like, oh, what? Go read Lois Lane. Go read Batman. Go read Superman. It can it can be the story that it is, and I don't know that it's like great. It's been years and years since I've seen it. It's like season three of nine seasons which you know just ended a couple months ago
1: yeah and i think it's like the first three episodes of that season
0: yeah yeah and it's relatively self-contained but so maybe it's bad but i think in terms of if we're if we're grading on the curve of flashpoint adaptations that is the one that's most successful because it is like it is it is finding the flash story at the core of flashpoint and just doing that
1: yeah yep 100 agree and also like grant gustin Melissa Moist, um, is it danielle panabaker like all oh, wonderful people to look at can't yeah can't right. go, can't, can't go against it john wesley ship yeah. like if nothing yes, else yes please
0: you know say what you will about the cw the shows they did those specific dc shows they're very good at casting people that if nothing else are very pleasant <laughs> to watch do things on screen they're very yeah. they, they cast pretty attractive people and that's not nothing you know Watch Stephen Amell do some salmon ladder drills. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, sure. The CW is built on that.
1: (laughs) All right, Matt. Well, we've punished ourselves enough, I think, uh, getting all this off our chest. And uh, this is something that we're going to continue to do, whether or not the the listens come in for it. or. or Hopefully they'll be good. Hopefully. They can't be worse than the Star Trek episode. I I don't mean to dump this on you, Matt, but people did not care for the Star Trek episode.
0: Oh, gosh.
1: (laughs) But we're still going to do Star Trek, too, because we got to talk season two of Strange New Worlds since I'm caught up now.
0: Maybe that's the thing that will finally kill the show.
1: (laughs) There you go. Continuing to talk Star Trek, despite us having made the joke for the last year or so. (laughs) but we, we are going to try and like alternate. So we're going to try and do like either a Marvel or an indie comic series, uh six issue, maybe 12 issue, depending on like the significance of the story. We were talking about doing like spider verse, but we were talking about how this one has like, Oh, go read Lois Lane, go read Superman, go read Batman where this spider verse is just like, you got to read 30 other books to get the full story.
0: Here. I, I think, and it's been years and years since I've read, Spider-Verse, the original story I think that one probably holds up a lot better on its own with maybe a couple offshoots but I would have to test that so maybe we won't find out unless we ever do an episode but my my memory is that it holds up the, the core like what seven issues eight issues whatever it is that holds up better than than this does which feels entirely hollow without all that shit but I could be wrong about that. Um, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I probably... let's,
1: let's put it to the test. Maybe we make that our next, our next episode of Josh and Matt's comic adventures.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I mean, if we want to be timely, we now have until what, 2026 before the next <laughs> news tag.
1: <true>. <laughs> maybe we'll time it with uh, the home video release for across the spiders. Yeah. But with that, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to be here tonight and punishing yourself along with myself to uh, read flashpoint. The new Fifty Two reboot. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at Josh underscore Scar. You can follow the podcast at Talking Smack Pod. We are also on the new Threads social media website, as well as Hive Media, uh, Hive Social Media, Post News, and Instagram. Don't forget to join our Discord, Matt. You want to tell everyone about the Discord?
0: Oh yeah, Discord's great. We, um, if you like this, if you like me, just going off on rants about whatever we have not be talking about, but you want to stand in text form, that's the Discord, maybe. Maybe I gotta got stop saying that because I feel like we don't get a ton of new people. Maybe that's pushing people away. Oh, we had a break
1: from I have some notes join. That's a big get for we us. We did,
0: yeah, that is a big get. Uh, but point being, you know, I, I, could, I could be very uh, verbose and passionate about things I care about or don't care about. That's all over the Discord, so it's a fun time. I'm pretty much always in there because I'm not very good at my day job. So <laughs> um, you know, if you come in and start chatting about something, odds are at least I will be there to at least see it.
1: <laughs> well if you like this comic book discussion and you have other recommendations, please shoot them our way at tsmackpod at gmail.com. Thank you to Leo Allen for Musical Themes, which you are hearing right now. Beppo for our original avatars, Rich Rail Studios for our Ricky Avatar. Please like, subscribe, rate, review. And most of all, thanks again for listening. Everyone, take
0: care. Who loves T-Smack?
1: I love T-Smack. Is it true? Mm-hmm. I do, I do. Ew.
0: Don't read Flashpoint. <laughs> <laughs>